This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Let's get started this morning. Um, we are in our second week of this series that I have entitled The Core. Everybody say The Core. The Core. It's, this, is, this is a big deal. This series is a big deal because it's becoming a part of our culture here at Calvary Church. It's becoming a part of uh, our teaching and our preaching. It will also ultimately become a part of the discipleship uh, ministry of this, of this church. So this is a big series, and I cannot thank each and every one of you enough for being here today. We started it last Sunday and uh, we press through into the second portion this morning. Let me, let me tell you what we opened up with last week as a very, very quick, concise recap. Two big truths that we established last Sunday. Number one, people lie. Can I get an amen? People have a problem keeping their word to one another. If you've, uh, if you've lived life to any length at all, it starts in preschool. It goes through junior high, high school, college. It's in the workplace. It's in the home. People have a difficult time keeping commitments made to one another. You are a blessed individual if you have one, two, three, uh, to any amount of people that you have that you know that their word is good. If you've got that kind of person in your life, you're blessed. Can I have an Amen. But with that truth known, I've got good news. God, and according to the book of Numbers 23, God is not as a man that he should lie. God actually cannot lie. God must keep his word. He is the only one that you can take his word to the bank and rest assured that his word will not fail you uh, if he says it, get ready. It's going to come to pass, uh, but you got to hang in there long enough to see it happen. Can I get an amen this morning? So let us, let us kind of open up with that quick recap. People have a difficult time keeping their word, but yet God's word is as sure as the day is long. His word you can take to the bank. Off of that, we go into establishing that in the Bible, there's over 3,500 promises that God's made. You can believe all of them because his word is good. But if you trace all of those thousands of promises back, you will find that they all come from this core set of promises that is the foundation of God's word for humanity. See, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. And the word of the Lord in the book of Exodus, chapter number six, states his plan and purpose for your life very clearly. And that's going to be our text again today. The book of Exodus, chapter number six, as we start week number two of the core. Looking at verse six. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from 
under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Within these verses, you will find what we're calling the core. You will find four beautiful promises from God to humanity. Now, to be within the context of Scripture, these promises come from God to the children of Israel during their time in Egypt. The children of God were in Egypt, which is a type of slavery to sin. They were in a physical, a physical time of slavery, making bricks, gathering up their own straw. Uh, they, were, they were whipped daily. They were told how to think, told how to live, how to act, what to do, what not to do, etc. They were slaves. But typing that to a lifestyle of sin, God told Israel, I will bring you out of Egypt. I will deliver you, I will redeem and restore you, and I will be your God as you are going to be my people. So how we're looking at this as a teaching series in, in, in 2015 is this. Here are four promises from God to you that is still good today. Somebody say this out loud. Say, God's promises do not expire. If God made the promise then, God's word is still good today. It's not like those uh, certain uh, products in your refrigerator that goes bad. God's word doesn't go bad. It doesn't expire. Here's the first one. I will bring you out. God promises you. Everybody say me. God promises you that he will bring you out of sin. In other words, he will sanctify you. He will save you. If this area that is, is, is maybe it's hard for you to envision this, but if this is a life of sin, God says that he will reach in and bring you out of sin if you will take him at his word. Now, if you choose not to believe he can or will do that, you will always remain a slave to sin. Sin will always dictate how you think. Sin will always dictate where you go. Sin will always dictate how you live. It will dictate how you speak. If you choose not to believe and trust the saving arm of God, you will always be a sinner, and that will be your future that will be who you are. But if you'll take him at his word, God can take you from there to over here, which is a place called freedom from sin. Are you with me so far? He says, I will do that for you. That's the first step. That's first things first. There's no point in going any further in any understanding of the plan and purpose of God until we get out of Egypt. Until we take a step out of sin how do we do that? First of all, we repent, which means we turn from our lifestyle of sin and we turn to God. Then the second thing we do is we surrender. 
How do we surrender? That just simply says, God, I don't want to control my life anymore. I've made a mess of it. I'm tired of making bricks and gathering up straw and working till the daylight's over, being a slave to my own fleshly desires. I want you to control my life. And you surrender. Uh, Imagine driving a car and you got your hands on the steering wheel. Well, that car is your life. All these years, you've been driving your life. You've been choosing where to go, how fast to get there. But surrendering says, I'm going to take my hands off. I'm going to get over here in in the shotgun position. I'm going to be a passenger in my own life and allow you control. That's called surrendering. And if you could get to the point where you repent of your sins and you surrender your life, then you must commit and never try to reach over there and grab that wheel again. You've got to commit and trust him where he's going with you, how fast he's taking you. He might take you places that you thought, hey, 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 that's not how you're supposed to go, God. Uh, you're, you missed your left turn back there. Well, commitment says God knows where he's taking you. When he's going to get you there, how fast or slow it may take, God's in control. So we repent, we surrender, and we commit. Can I have an amen? You're dismissed because that was good. It's going to be hard to get better than that right there. That is awesome. That's the plan. That's the purpose for all of us. Nudge your neighbor real quick and say, now you know your plan and purpose in life. What is it? To be brought out from sin. But here's another promise. God says, I don't want to just bring you out from Egypt. I want to get the Egypt out of you. God says, I don't want to just reach in and get you out of sin. Well, now that you're out of sin, meaning there's been years upon years upon years, you've been thinking like a sinner, acting like a sinner, talking like a sinner, going to where sinners go, hanging out with other sinners. You've been a sinner. Well, all of a sudden, overnight, God's freed you from that, again, by your repentance, surrendering, and commitment. God has set you free from sin, but guess what? You still have memories, struggles, drawings, pullings of that life that you've been living for a long, long time. I've got a friend of mine, he's from Mississippi and Louisiana his whole life, and bless his heart, they've moved him up to Chicago, Illinois with his job. Well, as you have been following on the news, they've been having snow, like, like, like we have heat, they have snow. And he's been taking pictures going, are you believing this? This is, I can't believe it. Well, he sent me a picture the other day of his truck thermostat and it said 38 degrees. He said, these people think this is a heat wave. My point being, you can put that boy in Chicago all you want. That dude's a southerner. He's from Louisiana and Mississippi, man. He grew up on the Delta. I mean, this cat is, you think I got a bad accent. This brother makes me look like I'm from Wisconsin. He is a southerner. Well, this is how it works with God. God has gotten you out of Egypt, but yet you still still have some things about you. We call them issues. We call them hangups. We call them challenges, addictions, problems. We've got identity issues now because all overnight we've become free from what has held us captive, but yet we don't know how to live free. We've got issues. Now, this is at the point of the sermon 
where I have to have every single one's attention because this is as big as it gets. Okay, this is as big as it gets. And I was overwhelmed at the first service, at the reception of what this, this moment brings. For years within the Christian faith, there's been a struggle. There's been a tug of war between two camps of tribes. There's been two tribes. There's been two philosophies that have been at struggle, been at war, been at battle. Been in, they've, they've had division within the family of God for a long time. Let me tell you who they are. Unfortunately for you, these two sections we're gonna label you today, and these two sections we're gonna label you today. In this section, you're what we call politically correct. Depending on if you're eating lunch with them, you think like them. If you eat lunch with them today, you're gonna think like them. So here we go. This section, this is the camp that believes that salvation and relationship with God comes by grace and grace alone. Grace and grace alone, brother. I mean, it's as easy as it gets. Salvation and living for God is so simple. It's by grace and grace alone. This camp over here, you folks, mm, you folks over here, you are of the camp that believes that it's by works and works alone. It's about how hard you can work. It's about how, how, how late at night you can stay up and pray and Facebook that you're praying and tweet that you're praying and walk down the street, knock on your neighbor's door and tell them, I just want you to know I'm praying. You folks have mastered the art of letting everybody know how good you are. You look good. You smell, well, some of you smell good. You act good when people are watching. You, you have mastered works. And there's always been, both are saved, both, both are right with God, but both of you argue the point on how you got there. You believe you got there by believing in the cross, and you believe you got there because you helped him do it. Again, you, just depends on who you're eating with, which is the far majority, to be honest with you. Check this out. I'm going to help you understand this morning. If you'll just hang in there for a few minutes, you're going to leave here with a greater understanding of how both of these are actually right. You've been fighting for years trying to figure out who had it right. Believe it or not, both of you are right. It just depends on what we're talking about. Check this out. Can I get... Uh, can I get three AO students that wouldn't, wouldn't mind being up on the platform for a few? Man, that brother, he done got up. <laughs> he was like, I'm all about me some spotlight. Look at this. Come on now. I need one more. I need one more. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Tell us your name. Kendall. Kendall. Tell us your name. Manny. Manny. Tell us your name. Tristan, with an I, T-R-I? Uh, yes. yes, awesome. All right, which one of you, uh, we're, we're gonna have some fun here. Which one of you do you think is the strongest, most well-fit athletically? K Kendall, okay. Which one of you are the most um, creative and, and, and mentally sound 
and uh, you, you guys have it together between your ears. Who makes the best grades among these two? Who's the, who's the sharpest? Okay, I think we put that together. I think we settled that issue. All right, you stand over here. You stand right here. And you stand there, just keep your shirt on. All right, check this out. Get ready because you're about to have your life changed if you'll just open up your heart and receive the word of the Lord this morning. When you were created by God and God breathed his life into you, there, were, there came within you three parts. There's body, there's soul, and there's spirit. And what I wanna help you understand is which one saved? And all of you grace folks and all of you works folks need to catch this. This body, this body, man, it looks in the mirror and it's concerned about itself. There's, there's white bodies, there's African-American bodies, there's skinny bodies, there's not so skinny bodies, you gotta be politically wrecked for this little group. There's, uh, there's not so skinny bodies, there's short bodies, back up. There's tall bodies, I will be by faith in Jesus' name. There are... There's no bodies and there's some bodies, but at the end of the day, what this is, it's just a body. The challenge is, is that the body is the worst enemy we have while living on earth. Because this body, it, it, it's get cra it gets crazy at times. It wants to go places it knows it shouldn't go. It wants to do things it knows it should not do. The body you cannot afford one day of your life to be led by the body. Because the body will either want to stay up at 2 o'clock in the morning eating bluebell, or the body will want to wake up at 5 o'clock doing crunches. Both are silly. <laughs> Unless it's just homemade vanilla. <laughs> Hallelujah. The body. Everybody say the body. You can't be led by the body. The body, the body, when it's in control, it will, it's, it's like pride. It's like a haughty spirit because all the money in marketing, marketing is spent on the body. It's all about the looks. It's all about the fitness. It's all about the body. The body's rotten in its core because this body, when you die, it's going into a box or into a fiery pit to never be seen again. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's just a body. But yet, this is the soul. Unlike the body that you see, the soul you can't see because the soul, believe it or not, are the thoughts of a man. It's the emotions of a woman. Notice how I put that. <laughs> so funny, 30 minutes later, <laughs> I get it. The soul of a person is the will of an individual. This is the engine of this. This says, eat ice cream at two in the morning. This says, wake up, do crunches. This says, go to work. This says, be a slacker, stay home. This, thoughts desires, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. It all comes from within this crazy thing where the idle mind is the devil's workshop. 
the soul of a man is driving the bus, the body of the man. I got good news and bad news. For all of you that are concerned about your body so much, God doesn't save a body. For all of you that are concerned so much about your thoughts and your emotions and how out of whack they are at times, the good news is God doesn't save that. The Spirit is the closest thing to God that we have because the Spirit will live forever. The Spirit of a man is what saved Pastor Manny. God doesn't save a body. God doesn't save the mind and the thoughts and the will of an individual. God saves the spirit because the spirit will live. It will live forever. And God's concerned about this. Now for both camps, stay with me guys just for a second. Both camps, all you grace people and all you works people, this is what you got to get this morning. God's saving grace is a work that's instant. It's as instant as my words that I just spoke and my fingers that I snapped. When you call upon the name of the Lord and you put your full faith in his saving grace, your spirit is saved instantly. This group says, slow down now, preacher. It's not that easy. They have to go through a new members class. They have to to know the books of the Bible, especially my favorite one. This camp says it's not that easy, Pastor Tommy. Actually, for all of you grace people, it is that easy. But this is where you come into play. Just because the spirit of a man is saved, I got bad news. These two cats still have problems. This is going to live forever. It's made perfect By the beautiful righteousness of Jesus Christ. These two cats, they still struggle. This guy's still looking in the mirror, doing his crunches. Is that how you do a crunch? (laughs) That's my idea of a crunch. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Pastor Dustin almost fell out of the crow's nest up there. He is dying right now. Thank God we're not live right now on the web. This guy's worried about his crunches. This guy's still thinking thoughts that would make all of us embarrassed, even now. (laughs) But this guy, he's right with God. He's ready to go to heaven. But unfortunately, these guys are still alive. So it's not his time to go to heaven. If it were his time, he's right. He's ready to go to heaven. Well done, thy faithful servant. But Sister Joe, the problem is these guys are still breathing. He's still gotta go to work tomorrow, go to school tomorrow. This guy's still gotta pass the test tomorrow. Life is still going on, but meanwhile, grace has done its job in saving what will live forever, but now the work starts in working out the issues. God has gotten this one out of Egypt, but now grace has got to go to work at getting the Egypt out of this. God bless you, maybe seated. Give it up for these guys. Ephesians chapter number two, verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Can I have an amen? But guess what? You can't take credit for this. All of you works, folks, you can't take credit for it because it was a work from God's grace. 
And he set it up that way because he didn't want you going out trying to, to make it seem as though you did something right. The only thing you did right was believe that you couldn't do anything right. So you just let Jesus do it for you. Come on, somebody. You can't take credit for this because it's a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation's not a reward for the good things that you've done. So none of us can boast about it. Salvation is a work of God's grace instantly when the Spirit's saved. But here's where we're going. This is where we're spending the rest of our day together. But Philippians chapter 2, in the second portion of verse 12 into 13, says in the New Living Translation, work hard. Everyone say, work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Your spirit is saved. Now your body and your soul's got to put their work boots on every day and work. And I said work. You've got to work hard to show the results of that salvation. So in other words, grace camp, works camp, you're both right. It just depends on what we're talking about. Works is not worked into salvation. But grace and grace alone without any of your works will not get you delivered. God reaches in and saves you out of sin. But now the journey of discipleship starts. And now you have to learn how to pray. And now you have to learn how to give. Now you have to learn how to get in the passenger seat. Now you have to learn how to worship. Now you have to learn how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ. Now works, works come into play because faith without working leads to death. You will fall back and walk right back into Egypt if by faith you're not going to work this thing out. Let me give you a great example. A gentleman came up to me after the first service this morning about this sermon and about this point that I'm making right now. He said, Pastor Tommy, man, you, 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 it was so amazing how you pa painted the picture today. It makes so much sense to me. He said, you got to understand, I had the worst mouth. I was the worst cusser. I used to make up cuss words. He said, you, he literally told me, he said, you know how people cuss when it doesn't really make sense that they're cussing? He goes, that was me. I just cussed a cuss. I was a cusser. And he said, I remember when I came to Jesus Christ on a Sunday morning in Cleburne, Texas. He said, but on Monday morning, I cussed again. And I felt awful about it. But I did cuss again. This is where people get messed up. You think just because God saved your spirit at the point of repentance, surrender, and commitment that all of a sudden your body and your soul is going to line up and, yes, sir, Mr. Spirit. 
Guess what? Your body and your soul still has habits, addictions, challenges, issues, routines. It's still flesh. It's still body. But the grace of God that saved you out of Egypt will now be the grace of God to give you by its sufficiency. It will equip you with enough wisdom, with enough strength, with enough ability. The grace of God, which is what? The ability to do things that you can't do on your own. God's grace will give you the ability that you can't do on your own. His grace, though, will come into your life and disciple you on the journey. This man told me, he said, I found out right then, man, I've got a problem that I've got to work on. I've got to go to work on my speech. Because I'm a child of God now, I don't need to be using that language. And I've got to turn my life into discipling its tongue. I've got to watch my mouth. And he said, the grace of God has helped me. It's been hard. It's been a lot of work. He said, but down line, I have delivered. I am delivered from profanity. Somebody say amen this morning. What's your issue? What's your problem? What's your greatest challenge? Can I tell you that God's got enough grace? He's got enough of power. He's got enough time. He's got enough attention poured out on you. He's going to grace you with the ability to get over whatever issue it is that's wanting to pull you back into Egypt. No matter how dark the issue is, no matter how problematic the issue is, no matter how strong the stronghold might be, it cannot keep up with the grace of God. God is in the freeing up, the delivering of business of his children, but will you hang in there long enough to take him at his word and allow him to fully deliver you? Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. You got to understand, this is two distinct promises. The promise that I will bring you out and the promise that I will free you. Bringing you out is a work of God's grace instantly. The delivering you and freeing you from your life's issues is a process. It takes time. It takes work. You got to pull those boots up, put those gloves on, and you got to take this thing seriously. And you got to try to outwork the work of the enemy on your life. Somebody say amen. This is what God wants to deliver you from. Once he gets you out of sin, he then wants to deliver you or free you from the stronghold of sin. In other words, he wants to give you the victory over sin. This is big. You got to catch this. We're moving quickly into the back half of this sermon, so stay with me. Sin is what you get yourself into. And you don't want me to say that, do you? But sin is what you get yourself into. It's when your body is in control of your life, it's when your soul is calling the shots. You get yourself into sin. Don't blame it on the devil. I love how churchy people blame everything on the devil. Man, I stole that $100, man. I love Jesus, but man, the devil, man, he got his foot in the door. The devil made me say, man, the devil did not make you steal that $100. You stole that $100. Pardon me, but the Bible says the dude was defeated. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it. 
Man, the devil got the best of me, man. She came home that night. She had two gallons of bluebell. Y'all can tell what my issue is. And the devil, man, the devil let that stuff thaw out where you could drink it like a milkshake. Man, the devil didn't do it. It was left out. I swear the devil is manifest on Dairy Queen right now. It's just manifest. I, I need therapy. I need deliverance. I need discipline. You don't need the devil to help you with sin. I got news for you. You don't need anyone else in here to help you with sin. Sin is what you do. So therefore, you're going to have to work at allowing God's grace to give you victory over it. It's not going to be easy. This is where this group gets a bad rap. See, the reason you guys get a bad rap is this group says, man, they just, they don't believe, they don't believe in anything. They just don't believe in anything. They just think it's all about grace. It's easy. They can just, just, just name it and claim it. That group just says, speaking and let it be. Actually, you do get a bad rap for that because you got to understand this kind of stuff, it takes work. You got a smoking problem? That's work, man. You got a cussing problem? That's work. You got an anger issue? Man, don't come telling me that all you need is a good altar experience. You need more than just a good altar experience. You need an altar experience, but then you're going to have to keep yourself in check. I just... Just played golf yesterday. And boy, I can take you right to the hole. I can take you right to the spot. This born again, sanctified, cute little preacher with a coat on. Son, I snapped. I lost it. I absolutely lost it. I took that golf club and I, bam, I slid that thing down. I looked over at Pastor Dustin. I went, what? You want some of that? I don't care if you work here or not, boy, I'll go Jackie Chan on you right now up on this par five. Boy, I snapped. Don't, don't tell me that, ain't, that doesn't take work. I believe in God's grace and mercy, but that right there, that was a lack of discipline. My body, my soul was in charge, and I did not take the opportunity to calm down, take it easy. Are you tracking with me? He wants to give you victory over sin. And before you think it's just you, before I think it's just me, Romans 7, this is how Paul says about himself. And I got news for you, Paul. I think he's a little bit further down the road in this thing than any of us. I mean, the brother wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Okay? And Paul says, I've discovered this principle of life. When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Don't question that. He says, but there's another power within me. Everybody say the body. Everybody say the soul. He says, there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. And then he basically calls himself out. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? But then the brother keeps talking and his faith catches up with his issue and his spirit takes, takes over. And in verse 25 of Romans 7, he says, thank God. The answer 
The answer's in Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, saying, I know I've got a problem, but I've been brought out of sin, and I do not have to live this way anymore. And he, and he goes on, and he starts reminding himself. Some of you in here, you need to start reminding yourself. You've been set free. You are set free. So you have to start speaking freely. You have to start acting freely. You have to start thinking about it. You can't be thinking like you used to think, going where you used to go, doing what you used to do. And you say, well, how am I going to do all that? God's grace is going to help you do it. But it's going to be you doing it. Let me speed up. God will heal you from wounds. Sin's what you get yourself into. Wounds, wounds are what comes from others. Someone else did that to you. The wound of unemployment, the wound of abuse, the wound of divorce, of misuse. In a crazy sense, believe me, there's, it's even this. There's wounds of spiritual abuse. I've, I've just this week was ministering to a family that has years of investment into a cult that they were a part of. You say, what's that got to do with anything? It's got to do with everything. There was abuse there. There was trickery of the mind. Wounds brought on from other people. Sin's what you get yourself into, but there's wounds that last. Comes from family members. Comes from close loved ones that you trusted that they didn't keep their word. And they hurt you. Ex-husbands, ex-wives, children, parents, neighbors down the street, strangers. Talking about wounds this morning. Just bear with me for a minute. Can I tell you that God doesn't want to just bring you out of Egypt and save your spirit. God wants to be in the ministry of healing your wounds. And that takes time. It takes work on your part. It takes giving grace a chance to work on you, through you, and for you. But you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get into this mindset of forgiveness you're going to have to extend forgiveness when I know that your body and your soul doesn't want to forgive because that wound is still open. But if you'll allow God's grace that saved you out of Egypt to become through its manifold grace or through its multiplicity of application, if you will allow that grace to come in through another angle, through a different approach, it could be the answer to your wounds being made whole. But you're going to have to give it a chance. And you're going to have to hang in there long enough for his grace to work. I know your marriage covenant was broken. I know that your 20 years of service at the, at the workplace was overlooked. I, I know this. I, there's wounds there. I know that the bankruptcy set you back. There's wounds there. Wounds. But God wants to heal you of your wounds. Hallelujah. I feel the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning. And then ultimately what God wants to do is give you authority over the enemy of your future. Because sin is what you got yourself into. Wounds are what other people brought on your life. But there is a spiritual attack because the day you walked out of Egypt was the day a target was placed on your future. 
And the devil himself wants to see you a slave to sin. He doesn't like seeing you made free by the grace of God. And the enemy of your life has a target placed on your back with a ransom placed on your future. But the good news is, is that while your body and your soul might be pulled on and drawn by the evil one, your spirit's been saved. And if you'll allow the grace of God to become that hedge of protection, if you'll plead the blood of Jesus Christ, if you can be an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. If you'll walk in this faith, if you'll walk in this trust, if you'll walk this journey out, allowing God to deliver you and free you, you don't have to go down that way. You can literally take authority over the enemy. It comes by words. It comes by putting him in his rightful place. It's by reminding and declaring him that you you are victorious because you are a born-again, saved, sanctified, set-apart child of God. And you're not the property of the enemy. You're the property of God. You're a son and a daughter that's been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. You, my friend, are victorious. You're free. So why don't we start living like it? I feel like somebody's just going to Shake some things off this morning. You're going you're gonna to be delivered by some things. I want our worship team to come quickly this morning. And I hope that I have that. Uh, if our band can come too, I want, us to, I want us to go into Freedom Reigns, if you don't mind, Denora. I know it's a big song. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to work it to its fullest. Just work it with me as I, as I close this morning. But can I just tell you something today? God's plan, God's purpose for your life is freedom. Somebody say Freedom. God's plan and purpose for your life is deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me this morning. Let me close with this, okay? Let me close with this. Stay with me real quick. The next promise of God, the next promise of God is redemption. It's restoration. God wants to restore you back to your original plan and purpose. Now, you got to catch this. Stay with me. I know, I know everybody's kind of wound down, but just stay with me. Watch, watch this. God's plan and purpose was never for you to be in Egypt anyway. Somebody else got you there. We all got there the same way. It's through poor choices. And that Adamic nature within us allowed us to be born into sin and shaping in iniquity. His plan and purpose was for you not to be a slave. That just kind of became a part of your story. But once he can get you out of sin and once he can get you free, God wants to redeem, buy back. He wants to restore you to your default setting, which is the original plan and purpose of God for your life. But research proves that 87% of saved, born-again Christians never get to that point. Because they stay stuck in the difficult, dirty work of discipleship and deliverance. They'll catch a whiff of that cigarette smoke. And they'll give in to it. That doesn't put them back in Egypt. God forbid. That's just the body and the spirit, uh, the soul rather, having a weak moment. What puts them back in Egypt is when they just say, I can't do it anymore. 
they find themselves trying to do everything on their own, Joe. They trust the grace of God to get them out of Egypt, but they don't let the grace of God work in them, through them, and for them to get the Egypt out of them. It's almost like we partake of this unbelievable, easy God's grace of salvation, and then we want to take over and work our way free. We're so weird. And God's saying, I made it so easy for you. Let me get you out, and then let me give you through my sufficiency. Let me, let me make the difference up. Do your best. Let me do the rest. And don't ever second guess what you're trying. Whatever the darkest, ugliest sin is in your life. Whether it be something that you have manifest out and entertained in your body. Or whether it might be captured privately within the dark chambers of your mind. God wants you free from that. And he's got enough grace to help you. I'm closing this service in a different fashion than I did in the first. For some of you, you need to be dismissed. And I respect that and we dismiss you. But I'm gonna ask this band to hang in there with me for a few moments. If you wanna just come, if you just wanna come and stand in this altar and declare between you and your God, thank you for saving me. But Father, I need you right now to help me get through some of these issues I'm facing. I want you to have that moment today. I want you to have the opportunity to just be baptized with grace.